Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast. It's Eastern Conference Wednesday, a day late. But what hasn't happened through the first three days of games? We've had suspensions, upsets, and everything in between. Let's get into it and more. It's all brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL. We'll get you $20 off your first ticket purchase. It's game time the official ticketing sponsor of the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen on this Thursday, April 20th. I'm Ross Levitan. It's the Battle of Ontario edition, as always, on Wednesdays on Locked On NHL. I got Mike DiStefano with me from Locked On Leafs. And Mikey, happy 19th anniversary, buddy. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I know exactly what you're referring to. And uh, it is something that uh, us in Leafs Nation have not really been able to see again in what's it been, 19 years? Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series, Joe Newendike put two stinkers past Patty Laleem. You had Brian McCabe put the icing on the cake. Vaclav Verata assists. Go to Zdeno Chara and Marion Hosa for the Ottawa Senators. That's how long it's been. But does this year feel different? Game one certainly didn't. Yeah, no. Game one was not a fun one to watch. I was there in the building, and um, you know, after the you know puck drop, everything felt good, right? the The building was buzzing, which you know for a fact you've been down there for, for games before. That building doesn't really get going. Um, but they do in the playoffs, and the rally towels were going until they were not. Uh, really early on, Tampa Bay scores kind of took the wind out of the sails in the building. They scored another goal. Sorelli did a few minutes later, and then before you know it, it's the end of the first period. It's 3 nothing Tampa, and you know the Leafs are being booed off the ice in the first period. It was it was almost over uh, you know, through the first 20, and they clawed themselves back into the game and then, you know, some shenanigans kind of took place. And it, Tampa grabbed a hold of that game again. And it was it was history once uh, once they kind of got that lead back. Tampa doesn't surrender leads. So, yeah, game one did not go Toronto's way. It They looked brutal in game one. It was probably their worst performance of the season, unfortunately. But game two tonight, buddy. Game two tonight, It's it's basically game seven for them, though. It's must win. They go down 0-2. Pack it in. Series over. In Toronto, too, right? As you mentioned, the building was rocked. Yeah. 7-3 was the final score. And and Mikey, like I always talk on Locked On Sands about momentum goals. And that's goals in the first two minutes, the last two minutes, and two minutes after a goal is scored either way. And the Lightning had three of them in the first two periods. So it was that kind of, you know, you thought you could maybe even take it into the first intermission, down two, you know, regroup, get after it. But was that third goal really kind of a backbreaker to you? And then, I mean, they scored two seconds left in the second period as well. Yeah, the the third goal was a big-time backbreaker because, to your point, two-nothing is a lot more, uh, you know, easier to, to come back from than three-nothing, obviously. But for me, the real backbreaker was, to your point, the one that you allow – 
shortly after scoring. They made it 3-2, and then they got a stupid penalty, which we can get into the officiating. But they got a stupid soft penalty on David Camp after they made it 3-2. All the momentum was going their way, and uh, they end up scoring on that power play. Tampa Bay Lightning to make it 4-2. And then that was pretty much the backbreaker. And then Michael Bunting gets his five-minute major. They score on that power play and uh, they score twice, actually. One in the literally .01 seconds left on the clock. They scored uh, a weak one to make it 5-2. And, yes, then that was – actually, no, that was a 6-2 goal. Now I remember. That was very much uh, curtains from there. And – Got to see Joseph Wall for the final 20 minutes of the game. How fun. Yeah, no Matt Murray. Uh, still recovering yeah. from injury. Uh, no point in a comeback. I, I had that easy slam dunk on Twitter. But all jokes aside, it was a, a fast-paced, entertaining game. And you know that this series is only getting started. Who was it on, on 1050 that had the spin zone that usually they, they blow it up in Game 7? So we're just getting out of the way early this time? Because that's an all-time take. I honestly can't remember who uh, who said that. <laughs> probably should if it's one of my coworkers, but oh, Carlo Hayes, probably, probably Carlo, of, right? One of those two, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, he had the alumni jacket on and everything for that one. But um, all jokes aside, the the serious note of this one is Michael Bunting suspended three games. First, your thoughts on the the length of the suspension. Look, I, I believe it was a suspendable play. I, I totally do. I thought that it was, uh, you know, it was a bad play, you know, very unintelligent um, move on, on Bunting's part. Uh, I thought three games was a little excessive, though. I thought for sure one, maybe he gets a second. Uh, but three, I thought was just a, a little bit aggressive and, and overboard. And uh, Jeff O'Neill from Overdrive, he – kind of called it the Michael Bunting tax, which it, it, I don't know if it fits for me just because we know his reputation with the officials or we in Toronto, I suppose. I don't know what the league-wide knowledge of that is, but he does not have a good reputation with the officials. And um, for him to get pretty much as harsh as a suspension, I think he could have gotten on that play. There's no leeway whatsoever. Um, and three playoff games equates to basically – six regular season games. And to me, that just wasn't a six game slash three game suspension. Uh, I thought that it was, you know, a tad overboard, but uh, you know, here we are. I, I'll be curious to see if it gets appealed at all to try and reduce it to, to one or two games. Yeah. Well, he won't be in the lineup tonight. So who replaces him? Uh, Maddie nice. Matthew nice is probably going to end up replacing him. The kid from, uh, um, who went to, all the way to the Final Four with Minnesota. He's a good player. Let me, don't get me wrong. He played the final three games for Toronto, and there was thoughts that he might be able to actually crack this opening night lineup in game one, but ultimately uh, did not. And weren't sure when we were going to see Matthew Nyes. Figured at some point um, he would get a look at uh, you know into the lineup. And it's unfortunate that it's coming at the expense of a Michael Bunting suspension. But he is going to come in. He's going to play on the third line next to Ryan O'Reilly. So, you know, pretty good line mate to, to start your NHL career off with, uh, your playoff career at the very least. So I think that he'll be he'll be fine. But Michael Bunting is a loss. Like I see people on Twitter saying, oh, the, the team's better off without Michael Bunting. The guy stinks, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, the guy's a top-line player on this team. Like, is he a top-line player overall? I'd probably not know. But he, he's worked so well with those two. Like, over 50 points last year, over 50 points this year. 
playing on that top line. He he does you know some little things that uh, that that not a lot of people do on this team. Um, but ultimately, the Leafs still this is, year means so much. So they got to figure out a way to to move on without him for the next three games and. I mean, the, the, the talk that this is his last game as a Maple Leaf is silly to me, unless they get swept, I suppose, which is possible. But um, I, I think he still draws back into the lineup once he's ready to return in game five. If necessary. Yeah, yeah, if, <laughs> if necessary. And if, if not, oh, well, I can now. If not, I, I quit the show. I'm going to yeah, quit the right. show. If, if they get swept, I don't know anything about hockey. Because I thought that the Leafs were going to take this thing in five, yeah, five games. If they get swept in four, I don't know anything about hockey, and I don't deserve to be on the show. That's awesome. All right, a timestamp, timestamp. But Kali Yarncroak is going to go up to the top line. It seems that man, there were two games in in April against Ottawa where he was playing with with Matthews and Marner, and I thought he was unreal. He scored a couple of goals in that uh, that as well. So I didn't really get what the whole move was putting O'Reilly with Tavares. I thought the whole point of bringing him in was to create depth. So it seems like they are doing Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly down the middle as God intended. Yes, and I very much am a, 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 a f- in favor of that move because I'm with you. I thought by going, loading up the top six and then having a traditional bottom six, to me in game one was pretty much just like feeding into the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning who are built the same way. But if you had three lines of depth, I mean, now you've all of a sudden have at least one line that should be freed up to do something, do some t- sort of damage, because um, they shut down those other two lines with, you know, Point, Kutrov, Stamkos, of course, you know, Kalorn and uh, and Sorelli shut down the Matthews line. Uh, but now you've got them locked and loaded in three different slots. You've got a, a true top nine. So one of those three lines have an advantage over the opposition and should be able to cook tonight. We'll see what happens. Interior Cal Yarncroft point, he has played really well alongside Austin Matthews, who's put up there around the trade deadline-ish, and uh, you know he, he stuck there the whole season. And then for whatever reason, the playoffs, they're like, okay, we're going to go back to bunting. Yarncroft, go down to the third line. It was like, okay, it's that's an interesting move. Um, so I, I actually will be curious to see what happens. They did score a goal in the third period after Bunting was kicked out of the game, and it was a really nice tic-tac-toe play. So hopefully they can carry that into uh, you know the the next game, but you know do it in the first period, not wait until it's all over in the third. Final question on this series, and we'll move on because there's been great hockey all across the board. But back to back to back Stanley Cup finalist Corey Perry the age 37 how do you stop this guy goal and two assists only played 13 minutes like I know is that that's the type of thing you want out of O'Reilly at this stage of the game no you need some guys in the bottom six to your point moving them down there that can that can pop off offensively at a time yeah I I honestly like you, you can't you can't you just gotta tip your cap to the guy like Corey Perry's just a gamer you know he's been doing this for for years. It's the Dude, third great. I saw the I saw Tampa play in Ottawa two weeks ago. He won a cup in Ottawa fifteen years ago. No, I know. Like, I know. It's he, he's 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 crazy. Like he's just he's so efficient too. Like you know he played thirteen minutes, but he was like probably one of the best players on the ice. He was just getting into it on every single shift. He was making you know making a play or 
you know, mucking it up or doing something. That That's what Corey Perry does, man. Like, he's a little rat type of player, sneaky little devil type of guy. But at the end of the day, he is a good hockey player. I mean, he's a former Hart Trophy winner um, playing on the fourth line now, and he's kind of morphed into a, a villain-esque role on the fourth line in, in Tampa. But he's still a good player. Toronto's got to make sure that they, you know, figure out a way to, to, to stop that guy, make sure he can't, you know, bombard the goaltender in the crease all night long like he has been. Um, they got to protect the front of the net, basically, is what the, the Maple Leafs did not do in game one, that they certainly are going to have to do in game two, and against that guy in particular, and Corey Perry. Tonight, Toronto Maple Leafs host the Tampa Bay Lightning, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have power rankings later today, and then our friends Gil Martin and Rachel Donner will take care of all your hockey needs here on Locked On NHL. For more coverage, you can follow Mike's show at Locked On Leafs on Twitter, at YouTube, Wherever you get your podcast, you can do the same for Locked On Senators. We are firmly in off-season mode. Just verbal meme, SpongeBob meme. The guy's standing up in in his house. Everyone else is playing outside. Just blind, shut, just looking around. That's me here. Just hate watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, except my future on the Winnipeg Jets might look real good after tonight. We'll save that for the Western Conference counterparts. More Locked On NHL coming up next. You're listening to Locked On NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is fast and easy way to buy tickets to all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guaranteed, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. I'm on Game Time right now, and to get in tonight to Game 2, of the Leafs Lightning series, you either have to know a guy like Al's brother or you have to go on the Game Time app where you can get in for $238 per ticket each for the balcony level. And that is all in at Game Time. Use code Locked On NHL. We'll get you $20 off your first purchase. Get images of your seats on the website as well so you're not surprised when you get there and snag the tickets without the stress. With Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, all guaranteed at Game Time. All right, Mikey, here we go. Stanley Cup playoff hockey. We got each series to get to. Already covered the Maple Leafs Lightning game two tonight. Why don't we hit on the other game, the other series that is going in to game two? The others are already through a pair and traveling to a new location. But the Battle of the Hudson River, the New York Rangers laid an absolute beatdown on the New Jersey Devils in game one. It wasn't even close. From the drop of the puck, the the Rangers just dominated. They got better goaltending. They had better special teams. They were better five-on-five. What do the Devils need to do to get the split on home ice tonight? 
Well, I mean, the the goaltending is definitely a, a big discrepancy. I mean, there's a big drop-off between Igor Shosturkin and Vitek Vanacek, and he hasn't been there before. None of those guys have really been there before, you know. So I think they'll come out stronger in Game 2. You did see them kind of claw back. They played better, you know, after the first 10 minutes. It was kind of similar to the Leafs, except they somewhat stayed in it uh, a lot longer. But, you know, the Rangers got up to the to the early 2 nothing lead and then just kind of ended up coasting uh, into that game to a 5-1 win. I think the Devils, to be honest, just, you know, get a couple more saves. And they just got to keep pressing. They got to utilize that speed. They got to break down the Rangers, get some speed going through the neutral zone and find ways to to get Shesterkin moving laterally and, and beat that guy. I know it's, it's, it's really, really tough and uh, it's not going to happen too often. But they can't get into a track meet with this New York team either. They got to find a way to slow down that offense. They got to find a way to, you know, protect their front of the net and, um, you know, keep it a pretty low scoring game. I think that's got to be the recipe for success for for the Devils tonight. And they need more from more forwards, right? Like Jack Hughes gets the only goal unassisted. He's been leading the offense all year, but they've been getting contributions from everyone. Like I'm sure the captain doesn't like being a dash three and and his no. playoff debut, right? And, and Nico Heischer is a very honest defensive player that I thought would match up well against the Mika Zibanejad type on the Rangers side. But really, I mean, I, I said off the top, they dominated five on five. I think special teams was really where this game was won. The Rangers go two for three on the power play. Devils go 0 for four on theirs. And uh, giveaway city too. Devils were charged with 13 giveaways in that game. The Rangers only three. And this to me could signal you got experience on one side and you have youthful exuberance on the other. They'll get their games here and, and credit to the Devils. Their window is like just a smidge open on the way up. But right now, if you're if you're the Rangers, like it's win now mode. You went out, you got Patty Kane, you got Vladimir Tarasenko. Both of them get on the score sheet in this game. Like I know they're technically the underdogs. They started on the road, what, 20 minutes from MSG? Like this is a, an all-time inner city game, really, in Newark and, and Manhattan. Yeah. My God, that uh, to me, this this might be a little quicker than I thought in Rangers in six. But you know what? This is just to me. If I'm the if I'm the Devils, I'm I'm gonna obviously be be upset if it goes that way. But dude, this is uh, you got to look long term with this Devils team. They're just starting. Oh, absolutely. They've got so many good young pieces. I mean, I'm sure he sure will come out and have a much better game. You know, you've got uh, Jack Hughes, who's an up-and-coming superstar in this league. Dawson Mercer, I thought, had a fantastic year. Sharon Govich, you know, someone who does need to also provide a little bit more, who I've been, I wouldn't say, you know, a, a little disappointed in since arriving there is um, Timo Meyer, who was, you know, the big cat, the big fish in, in at the trade deadline. He hasn't really wowed me as much as, you know, I expected him to go into New Jersey. I thought that was a really good fit for him. And it just hasn't translated into, you know, the the fireworks that I thought we were going to get. So he's somebody, too, who, you know, I think could provide a lot more offense and give this team, uh, you know, a lot more offense and give them a better chance to, to fight and claw back into the series. Yeah. Do what? Uh, what's your, your feeling, though? You think this is uh, still a Rangers victory in five or six games? I think the Rangers. I think the Rangers still end up taking it. Uh, you know, six or seven. I, 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 I think like the score was probably more lopsided than the play. Um, I, I thought that the first ten minutes for sure, New York was all over them, and then Jersey kind of, you know, got back into the game. 
Um, and then it just kind of got away from them there at the end. But I, I think this one could be a, you know, still be a pretty close tight series. Could go six or seven games. All right. Well, Adam Fox led the way offensively in game one, four assists for the all-star superstar defenseman. And my breakout player, Keandre Miller, played 21-20, assist in this game, 230 on the PK, three hits. So good start for him there as well. Philip Heedle with two points up front. Chris Kreider, two goals as well. All right. Game two tonight, 7.30 Eastern as well. For more, tune in to Locked On Rangers and Locked On Devils. Coming up on the other side, let's travel like we're going to see Carolina Islanders do. That series will shift up to Long Island while Boston and Florida go down to South Beach. All that's coming up next. You're listening to Locked On NHL. are locked on NHL. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube, where you can find all 35 locked on NHL shows. That includes locked on NHL, locked on fantasy hockey, locked on NHL prospects, and every team is covered here on locked on NHL. That includes the locked on Panthers podcast and the locked on Bruins podcast. This is going to be a bit of a series, man. We've seen some big hits, too. Like, the temperature's heating up, and does that favor the Florida Panthers, Mike? Uh, I don't know if it – you think that favors the Panthers? I don't know, man. The Big Bat Bruins, they got some dudes out there uh-huh. who you might not want to mess around with. Like, Nick Foligno's not a joke. They brought in Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, that guy's – you know, he's a pretty pretty big dude. Like he's he's he likes to mix it up. I mean, they've got some Hulking guys on that blue line too that you don't want to mess with. Like I remember I went to a game, Boston, Toronto, and I saw Derek Forbert live, and I'm like, that guy's a mutant. Yeah. An absolute mutant. So that's the thing with the Boston Bruins. They can do everything. They've got the skill to win a to win a game, and they've also got you know, the size to, to win that type of game. If you want to, if you want to go there. So that's, that's honestly the, the problem I think you have, there's no weakness uh, in this, in this team. Um, I will say this though, man, like the Florida Panthers to me have been the better team through two games. Now there's been no Patrice Bergeron and he's very clearly like one of the best players on that Boston team. Um, but they've outplayed them through two games. And, and last night they, they deserve to win that game, and Alex Lyon has come in and you know done Hamburglar things to get them into the playoffs, but now he's actually winning in playoff games, which is something that the Hamburglar did not do, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so well, the, flame, the, fl- the flame hasn't gone out on, uh, on the Lion King, so uh, can, he, can they pull out an upset? I don't know. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, uh, but to be able to come out of Boston with a split, uh, Florida's got to be ecstatic as they head back down to sunrise. As Matthew Kachuk says, we're going to take the split and run. Yes, yeah. they should going down to Florida. Man, maybe my breakout star of this entire season is Brandon Montour. Like this guy yeah. is a star. I was so shocked. I remember they rolled into Toronto and I was speaking with one of their beat writers and, uh, you know, he was like, Brandon Montour, people haven't realized, but like, that guy's having a phenomenal season. He's got like 63 points. This was earlier in the year. And my my jaw dropped. I'm like, Brandon Montour has 60 
three points. And I went and I looked it up, and I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe it. And then he finished the year with like 73 points. It was insane the season that that guy had this year. And it's funny because I don't I, I we probably talked about it on this show actually when we were doing the season preview and I know I had the Florida Panthers as like one of my bull predictions missing the playoffs which they almost did. And a big reason was because I thought their blue line was junk. It was like after Aaron Ekblad they got nothing. And then here comes Brandon Montour, 73-point season, you know, helps get the Panthers into the playoffs. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know where this came from, but good for good for him. Good for that guy. Yeah, he's come a long way since Anaheim and Buffalo, that's for sure. He's been yeah. able to put it all together here and uh, only only getting better here, age 29. Kind of a bit Mackenzie Weger-esque. Obviously, Weger never hit those heights offensively, but kind of just coming in and slowly and steady, getting better and better. And, now he's a star. He had two goals in that sixth. Uh, six. What? What was final last night? Six three. Six three. I, I, it, was, it was like a late goal squeaker that got by line for you know all intents and purposes, basically a six two hockey game. But the thing about him is like I don't ever remember him being an offensive player, Brandon Montour. No, but he's he, he hasn't given up any defense by becoming this offensive talent. He's he's yeah. solid. Both ends. And we should note, like this was a two-two game going into the third period as well. It's not like it's not like the uh, the Lightning going up. What was it six-two after two periods? Like this is this was yeah. a tight game. Bertuzzi tied it on the power play. Both the uh, Boston goals were on special teams. Marshan had a, a shorty in this game, but yeah, just pulled away in a span of uh, what the first seven. They scored twenty-two seconds in again. Those momentum goals, and then just chipped away throughout the period, and were able to get a big win. So credit to the Cats. Man, they play hard, and uh, I'm hoping this becomes more of a series. But I still, uh, I still heavily lean towards the Bruins winning this. You still go with all Mark for Game Three? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I don't even think twice about it. All right, all right. I, I'm, I am hearing though that that they might not think the same way. Are you? I haven't, I haven't heard anything. But you know, you give up a six spot. They have been a tandem situation all year. And we did see a questionable goaltending situation in Minnesota. Does uh, Jimmy Montgomery overthink things and, and flip to his other guy in that tandem? I don't know. We'll see. Come game three. One thing we do know is come game three, the fireworks will continue. We had a ton of misconducts in this game. Forbert yeah. tossed, Bertuzzi tossed, Hathaway tossed, Felino tossed, Frederick tossed. That's all just on Boston. Uh, Gudis got tossed, Lomberg as well on, on the Cats side Dude, of the they- they just ran out the clock. There was three seconds left, and there was like basically a line brawl. And they just legitimately said, "All right, everyone, go to your dressing rooms. We're running out the clock." Like you never see that in hockey. You at least see a puck drop, but they were just like, "No, just run the clock. This thing's over. It's getting out of hand. Done. Enough is yeah. enough is yeah. enough." And that's probably what the New York Islanders are feeling. Obviously, a controversial call uh, in overtime, or a controversial non-call. And uh, the Hurricanes go down and score. They win 4-3 in overtime. They've got a 2-0 series lead. I think most surprising is four past Elias Sorokin. I know they had 36 shots, but a few of those goals, I'm looking, I'm saying, is that the same Sorokin we saw during the regular season? What's your take on this series through two games? Yeah, you know, this was the series that I, I thought that, uh, and look, they've been, you know, it's, it's been a close series, don't get me wrong, um, but this is one where I thought the Islanders actually stood a chance. Like I thought of all of the underdog teams, the Islanders, maybe I looked at as the team that is most likely to upset. 
You know, they're the team that's heading, you know, back home down 0-2. Um, the only team heading back home down 0-2, I might add. Uh, at, we'll see after tonight, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I to go back to that, uh, the controversial call that you're referring to, or uh, the non-call, rather, did you see Mike Rupp's um, tweet last night explaining why he thought that that was the right call for them not to call the high stick because it, it pretty much was just – uh, who was the, was it Mayfield, the defenseman? It was. On, uh, yeah, Mayfield, you know, kind of goes for a stick lift, pops his stick, which is what forced it up to hit him in the face and felt that that was the reason why the referee who was standing right there saw the play happen, decided to, to not call it because it was basically a self-inflicted situation by, by the, the Islanders defenseman. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. I know Mike Johnson disagreed, though. He said you got to always be in uh, control of your yeah stick. So I can see that one both. I, I had the Islanders in seven, and I am not confident in that at all. But it's not even it's not even because Carolina's necessarily played that that well. well. I mean, and now Teravainen's out, right? Like they already came into this series without uh, without Svechnikov. Without uh, who else did they lose? Pacioretty and and now no Taravainen. Like that team's getting thin up front. There's not a whole lot of other guys that, that they had to rely on on Jesper Faust to win it in overtime for them last night. Well, yes, yeah, so, Stefan Nason and Paul Stastny are your other goal scorers, right? These these aren't your household names that are getting it done here for Carolina. No, I'll say this: Nason's had a good year, sneaky yeah. good year for Stefan Nason, former Leaf, former Shark, I think former, former Devil too, actually. Ben's draft pick. There you go. Sense draft pick. Where, what, did he, what trade did he leave in? Bobby Ryan. Ah, part of the Bobby Ryan deal. Look at that. Yeah, there you go. Oh. So you're going way back. And if you yeah. want to go even a step further, the pick they got to use him was for a trade for Mike Fisher. So there you go. Stefan Nason figuring it out here. First time uh, he's reached 30 points in an NHL season this year. 36 points in 78 games. So uh, yeah, great, great to see those success stories here as a 30, yeah, 30 year old now uh, from Texas, a rare Texan in the NHL. I think it's him and Blake Coleman are the only uh, are the only ones. So good start for the Carolina Hurricanes. But if you heard uh, Rod Brindamore not happy after last night's game, thought that um, thought that uh, his players were being taken liberties. And you and I have talked like Carolina plays hard on the stick all the time. Like that's like their calling card defensively. So yeah. I don't know how much sympathy I have that uh, one little whack got you know the wrong spot. We hope that Teravinen recovers. Hell of a player, but um, to complain about officiating when your team gets six power plays and the other team gets zero is uh, is a bit much for my liking in the playoffs. It's playoff hockey. It's playoff hockey. At the end of the day, like this is the stuff that you're gonna see. Like guys are gonna take a chunk out of you so that you're not a hundred percent. Yeah, like that's 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 plain and simple. The way that it uh, the way that it goes when you're in a, a seven game series like this. What's your most intriguing storyline going through the next week? Give me two, because obviously I'm sure one has to do with the blue, blue and white. Yeah, I mean, how do how does Toronto respond tonight in game number two? Right, like it's essentially a, a must win game for them. They can't go into they can't go into Tampa down 0-2. It's just. Not not feasible, you know, not feasible whatsoever for this for this Leafs team. So that's one thing that I'm certainly going to be tracking. Um, I guess the the other one is like, are you know, are the Cats for real? Like through two games, they've controlled the 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 games. Like 
I'm looking, their expected goals, uh, 58% expected goals this season, uh, earned the series through two games at five on five. So they've been the better team through, uh, through two games, which I was not anticipating to see, but with Patrice Bergeron probably coming back, I would assume now, uh, how do they handle his return? Right. So to me, it's, it's, can the cats continue to give the Bruins a run for their money? That's the one that I'm curious to see, you know, is, is the first two games for real or is it a facade? And once Bergeron gets back, he says, all right, boys, enough screwing and dinking around. Let's put these guys in a hole. I think that they're, they're going to be motivated. There's no question going down to Florida. But for me, the storyline has to be what happens in game two between the Devils and Rangers. Because, I mean, you're looking across the board and, yeah, we've had some road teams win both in the East and West, but I'm curious to see how long, if that trend will continue. And obviously we're riding with the the Rangers in this series and I've got the Rangers winning the cup. So very in um, important start, but I, I'm curious to see that series that that really has my attention. And obviously I'll be tuned in locked on to the Toronto Maple Leafs Tampa Bay lightning series here, watching every shot they put up of the leaf pile. Maybe my favorite thing on TV, like move over American idol, any other show there that gets high ratings. Like, I need a fan cam in the corner of Maple Leaf Square at all times. Uh, yeah, you know it's uh, it, it has become an interesting stat through the first three days of the playoffs. The team who scores first, eleven and one. Wow, really? Score first is uh, is is the key tonight. I think for all four of the teams looking to pick up victories tonight, score first. What's the who's the one team that didn't Edmonton in game one? Yeah. Yeah, because they got out to a two nothing lead against uh, yeah against LA and then fell four three in OT. Wow, nice little stat stat guy Mikey to finish off today's show. A reminder: you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mikey underscore Canuck and on Twitter Leafs Lunch or Leafs Lunch Leafs Locked on Leafs Locked, locked on, on Leafs <laughs> Locked on Leafs. Easy for me to say here. Hopefully, not so easy for the Maple Leafs tonight. If you want to uh, hate watch the game, you can do that at Send Central with me. But for today, we say goodbye. For Mike DiStefano, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been another edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast. It's your team every day.